0: As you know, it's hunting season, and growing up, I only went hunting a few times. I, I certainly wouldn't call myself a hunter, but I have been a few times growing up with my dad, usually f- for deer hunting. It wasn't until I was a priest, however, that I went duck hunting for the first time. I remember going with my friend. He was excited for me to kill a duck, and um, our ducks, and, you know... Uh, the whole thing was that it was supposed to be more, um, you know, I guess a little bit more fast-paced than deer hunting and a little bit more exciting. You can kind of visit and there's, you know, more ducks and you'll get more kills. You're to shoot the gun more times. So I was excited. I was looking forward to it. Um, and I remember going my first time to the duck blind with him and uh, went in there and, you know, I didn't have any supplies so he let me borrow his camouflage, borrow his gun, his shells. He gave me all the tips that I needed to get prepared for this moment and we went out there and it's time to duck hunt and the whole morning goes by and there's not a single duck that flies there's just nothing it was just nothing that happened and so you know it's kind of a bummer like i was all excited and we waited and waited and nothing happened so naturally i couldn't wait to go back to actually make a kill and uh so we went with um Another friend who apparently had a blind that the ducks were flying. you know, it just depends. There's different years, different, different places, and there's all the kind of factors that are beyond me. So uh, they were confident. They said, "This blind, there's going to be uh, ducks. It's been a good year over here. We're going to kill our limit. It's going to be a great time." Yeah. All right, sure, fair enough. So you know, put it in my schedule. We kind of went uh, we went the night before, and we camped out, and then you know, at their camp, and then we woke up early in the morning, got into the boat you know, rode to the, the, the blind and got ready, same thing, you know, I borrowed the camo and the gun and the shells, and I had all the advice they were getting me ready. All right, now we're sitting. Now I'm getting nervous. Now I'm feeling really insecure because I'm about to have to shoot this gun, and they're about to see how bad my shot is. And they say, very kindly, they say, all right, we're going to let you take the first shot. Which, if you know anything, that means that they get to watch me shoot and probably miss. So now I'm even more nervous, and I'm getting ready for the moment. All right, I'm just telling myself, courage, courage, we can do this, whatever, I'm just going to shoot. This is not my identity. I can just shoot, and if we kill the duck, it'd be awesome, and if not, we'll just keep on going. So uh, getting ready for the shot, and they tell me, all right, they're coming, they're coming. And I'm looking around, I don't, I don't see any ducks. I mean, like way, way, like I see like a tiny speck in the sky. Surely that can't be what they're talking about. like it's coming they just have like a sense okay they're coming. so i was getting ready and here comes like a bunch of ducks behind me i didn't think to look behind me and boom boom, boom. okay so now they're tim it's fine for me to shoot and i'm just shooting like a madman i don't know i'm just shooting (laughs) y'all ain't no ducks falling on my shot all right (laughs) just none yeah, and super embarrassing because they're just like, they're like laughing at me, like what is going on? So then, you know, as the morning progresses, then we kind of like, we all shoot, right? You know how it goes when you're in a blind with a couple people. So then we all shoot, and then the ducks fall, and we don't actually know who killed the duck, which uh, I liked a whole lot better. Um, so, you know, I was externally prepared for duck hunting. I had the, the camo, the gun, the shells. The advice, the location, the duck blind, I had it all. You know, I was externally prepared, but internally, not prepared. And it's not because I was, you know, I I just, I didn't have any experience. And I believe that sometimes we can do the same with Christmas. Christmas. That externally, you know, through Advent and through the month of December, we can get prepared, you know, like we we plan it all out, we get all organized, we make our list of Christmas shopping, we have the plans of like all of these events and parties, not to mention just our, uh, like our normal busy life, and like December's hard, right? There's just a lot to do, and we can get externally prepared, we can conquer it, we can get past it, but then what tends to happen for a lot of us, unfortunately, is that come Christmas Day, we just feel drained, especially on a spiritual level. We feel like, whoa, we blinked and it was over and we really didn't experience Advent as Advent. Like we really didn't internally prepare. And I hope that none of us would be in the situation that at the end of our life we would have gone through the motions, being very externally prepared, but shockingly and surprisingly find that we are internally unprepared for the end of our life on a spiritual level. I would hope that would not be the case, but unfortunately I think we're all, many of us are at risk for that because we can very easily just get caught into the motions and kind of stay on a superficial level with our relationship with God. Why? Not because we're evil and not because necessarily we're trying to do that, but I think because we're just busy and there's nothing like the month of December to just add to the busyness. And sometimes it's good things, right? Like sometimes it's really good things. Like we're doing our best. Sometimes it's actually church events. And sometimes it's family events or friend events. And, and, and a lot of it is fun and it's good. And we're having a good time. But, but nonetheless, we just run ourselves dry. We stretch ourselves thin and we have nothing left to give. And spiritually, there's just nothing. In today's gospel, we have a parable about the end of time. And Jesus, it's a very short parable. It's pretty simple. You know, there's, it's a master who goes away on a journey. There's servants that he puts in charge of his house, each with their own work to do. And there's a doorkeeper that is supposed to keep watch for the day that the master returns. And very simply, it's, you know, Jesus is the master who's away on a journey. He ascended into heaven. So he's away from this world in some sense. And, and we know that he's going to return. He's going to come back again at the end of time. We don't know when, though. And and the workers, the servants, are you and I. We are the disciples who have been entrusted with the house, the world, and each of us have our own responsibilities, our own work to do for the kingdom. And the doorkeeper is you, each of you individually. As you listen to the story personally, you are the doorkeeper. And the message is to keep watch so that the master doesn't return while you are sleeping. Most of us know what it 's like to be sleep deprived, and um, think about a time whenever you were sleep deprived like like really sleep deprived you know maybe parents like uh, of young kids or uh, students after pulling an all nighter studying for an exam, um, or maybe for some other reason. I remember one time uh, there 's been a few times in my life unfortunately, where like for whatever reason I was really sleep deprived and i 'm driving like in the night and start and um, I just remember like, okay, like you're like slapping your face, like you have the music loud, you're like just like just being silly, you're just like trying to do something to stay awake. And I just remember how easy it was like in a split second, you could be asleep and you're driving and it is terrifying and it, nothing, it's just very humbling to realize, whoa, like this is not safe. In fact, they even say that um, sleep deprived driving supposedly is more dangerous than drunk driving. So take that and pray with it. Um, But I bring that up because when we are tired, it is hard to stay awake. It is hard to stay vigilant when you are tired. And I believe sometimes we find ourselves in that situation in our spiritual lives that it is hard for us to like persevere spiritually and to like to cling to the Lord and to stay with Him because sometimes we're just fatigued, we're just tired, we're just busy, we're stretched too thin. So I guess what I'm trying to say here is for Advent, you know, a lot of times for Lent we talk about like, you know, giving up some things and doing something extra. What if Advent wasn't so much about doing something extra, but rather about doing something less? Like what if we chose to say no this Advent, maybe even to something good, maybe even to good things, for the sake of saying yes to the best things. You see, because sometimes that's how the devil will tempt us, is to make us so busy that we end up saying yes to way too many things that are lesser important than what we should be saying yes to. What are those good things or the best things? What should we be saying yes to? Well, to make it simple for us, I'd like to suggest three today. Very simple, nothing new here. Prayer, family, and charity. What if we said no to even some good things in our schedule? Because if we did that, we would allow time for, for like unplanned, unscheduled time. And honestly, that's, there's something just really human about that. We really need that, that, that sense of unproductive time in our life. But I think that too many of us find ourselves with every single hour of the day, every week, and for the whole month is scheduled. It's planned. And, and we're just one thing after another, and we just have no, like, organic, authentic free time. But what if we had a little bit of that? Because whenever we do, that allows our hearts to soften a little bit. It allows our stress to just have a sense of relief for a moment. It allows us to enter into reality and not to be living so far in the future, one thing after the next. And when our hearts soften like that, then we are a little bit more disposed and open to pray, to actually acknowledge God, to receive His love, to let Him love us where we are. Then in those moments, we are able to be ourselves around our family and with our family, to spend quality time that's not so productive, but rather just human. Only in those moments of unstructured time are we then able to open our eyes to the people in front of us. And sometimes we may notice then that the people in front of us are in need. And we can lend a helping hand and we can extend an act of charity. But when we're so high strung, when we're so busy, when we're just trying to juggle all of the, everything one after the next, and we're, we're trying to not only fulfill your responsibilities, but also keep up with the Joneses and also try to have a social life and have fun, and it's just, it's too much. And then all of a sudden, we can't focus on anyone but ourselves. And so, prayer, family, and charity towards our neighbor. It's just kind of an afterthought or, at best, a burden and another thing to do on the to-do list. So, I just want to challenge you guys. Maybe as we continue with this Mass, ask yourself that question. Is there something you can say no to this Advent? Certainly, if there's something bad in your life, say no to that. But if there's, maybe, maybe it's something good even, but a lesser good a good that can be sacrificed for the sake of something better, is there something you can say no to so that our Advent can be a little bit more simplified? We don't need to stress here. We don't need to try to add more things on our to-do list. But what if we just simplified our life a bit? Advent's short this year, 22 days. And I believe if we had the courage to say no, we could then say yes to the best things. Amen.